And uh, the last time I spoke, um, because we had the open air last week inside, it was a bit miserable last Sunday, the weather, but we, it was great to meet together. It's fab. Um, I started just mentioning about the, the Old Testament because someone on Alpha had, had said to me they like the God of the New Testament, but they're not, not sure about the God of the Old Testament. And, um, you know, it was before he became a Christian kind of thing. So this uh, last time and this time, I want to take a passage from the Old Testament as we see that the heart of God is exactly the same in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you want to follow it in your own Bibles, if you have a Bible with you or on your device, it'll be also on the screen. It's from Isaiah Uh, Chapter 55, from verse 6 onwards. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon And then God speaks, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, instead of the briars the myrtle will grow, This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So title for this talk is, His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts. There was a very famous film released in 1998 directed by Steven Spielberg. It was called Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if any of you have watched it. An epic war film based on a true story. Captain John Miller, played by Tom Hanks, and a group of soldiers are sent behind enemy lines to save Private Ryan. Private Ryan's three brothers have all been killed in combat. So an order goes out that he is to be saved. So Captain John Miller with that group of soldiers, of which only two survive the mission, rescue Private Ryan. Sorry if that's a spoiler. (laughs) You were just going to get that out this week and watch it again. But I've always been conscious of the way that it ends. Where Captain Miller speaks to Private Ryan 
about the sacrifice that has been made for him. And he says this, earn this. Earn this. The Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As high as the heavens and the earth are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In these series that we've been looking at the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, it's enabled us to take a fresh look at actually what God says about his heart. Rather than to project on God our natural expectations or what we think he might be like, We've been learning to actually understand what God says about himself. Being allowing the Bible to surprise us with how God describes himself. John Calvin, one of the great theologians and reformers, once said this, There is nothing more troubling than when we think God is like us. There is nothing more troubling than when we think God is like us. And today's text would be when God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And often, I know I've probably said it in my Christian life, and taken it out of context when life takes a difficult turn, or there is something I've not understood about what God is doing, and I've kind of said with a shrug, well, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Meaning that there's some unfathomable mystery in the way that God works, how he orchestrates events in our lives, and that is true. There was a hymn written about it that God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. I think I often thought that was in the Bible for years. It's not. <laughs> but this is not true of this verse. This is not what God is saying through this verse. The passage in which we find his ways are not our ways expressed comes from Isaiah 55, and it means something quite different. It is not a statement of the surprise of God's mysterious dealings with us, but it is the surprise of God's compassionate heart towards us. And the first part of the passage tells us what to do. The second tells us why. God calls on us to seek his face, to seek him while he may be found. He invites us to call on him while he is near. He invites everybody, and even the wicked are invited to return to the Lord. And what will happen when we do this, when we seek him, when we call on him, when we turn to him? We are given the most amazing free gift. His pardon, his love, his grace, his compassion. Don't know if you've ever been offered a free gift and you immediately say, well, what's the catch? I want to read the small print. Because there is a saying that we say, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. The gospel 
is that exception. I was talking with my group on Alpha this week. And it's interesting the response that people have around people doing Alpha. On our last Alpha course, Abby's great friend, Jenny, came because her daughter was asking all sorts of questions about faith and God and things. So she came on an Alpha course and her daughter was asking every week, what did you learn? There's somebody on our present Alpha course and she said, I've told everybody I know what I'm doing on a Thursday night. No one has asked me what it's about. Because they know it's a God thing, but they don't really want to know. Isn't it interesting how different those things are? Another commented that people are very suspicious of anything that's free. We've never charged for Alpha. It's free. Jesus has never charged for his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. God is not like us. Hooray. But we want to be more like him. Hooray. He says, he says, he will have compassion on us. And he repeats it just in case we didn't get it the first time. He will freely pardon us. No catch. And what does freely mean? It's not a trick question. It's free, abundant, not earned, not deserved, not worked for. It's not a reticent pardon or a reluctant pardon, but he freely pardons us joyously, abundantly, lavishly. The Lord is lavish in his forgiveness. He loves us. That's why he came, to save sinners like you and I. He does not grudgingly accept us, but he sweeps us up into the Father's arms. Just like the prodigal son. An amazing story. One of my favorite stories that Jesus ever told. The prodigal son comes to his senses and says, I'll go back home and I'll just be a servant. And he's got his speech all prepared. I'm not worthy to be your son, etc., etc. He's unkempt. He's smelling of pigs. What happens to him? He is picked up. He is hugged by his father. Smothered in kisses. He's got the best robe given to him. They go and find the fatted calf who's been saved for a special purpose, a celebration. Go and kill the fatted calf. Not earn this, son. Not I'll hug you when you've had a bath, when you don't smell so rough. No, God is like that father who runs to us, embraces us in our mess and stuff, and kisses us and gives us a robe and prepares a celebration. For we are sons and daughters back from the dead. Notice where the text takes us in verse 8 and 9. It takes us even deeper. 
It tells us who he is. He reveals himself. And what God is saying here is that when we come to him, we need to have new eyes to see who he is. Our very view of God must change so that we might understand his heart better. But so often the church just falls back into legalism. Just study church history. How long it takes for us just to fall back into works and doing things and earning God's love. We had a reformation 500 or so years ago. We need another reformation. Imagine... If Hermie and I had bought Karis a birthday present, lovely birthday present, and we presented it to her, and we said, we love you, here's a present for you. And she says, thank you so much, and then disappears and runs upstairs and raids her piggy bank and says, here's what I owe you for the gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We just receive the gift from God. We are more lawish than we realize, but God is lavish. It is a natural human response that we have to want to reciprocate. And that's good. Someone does you a good turn, you do them a good turn. But take that a bit further, it loses all grace. Doing to others what they do to you is not what Jesus said. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And sometimes we believe the lie that we need to earn this, balance the scales. People who believe that they have to earn their way to God are generally, I mean, this is a generalization, so, you know, people who think they have to earn their way to God are generally miserable. It's hard to find any joy. It's probably there, but it's really deep, deep, deep down. We are not to be miserable. I know that there are so many struggles and so many things that go on around us, and it's tough sometimes, but keep an eye on the big picture. We are not to be miserable. We have this hope within us of eternal life. We have received grace in abundance the forgiveness of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We have an eternal destiny that is secure, not based on what we do or our performance, just based on what Jesus has done for us. The name of Jesus brings a smile to our face. Isn't that right, church? Now, I don't want you to go out looking for miserable Christians and say, come on, folks. Because we don't know what day they've had, and it's, you know. But I must confess that I've met some over the many years 
And I wonder, where is the joy gone? Joy filling our hearts to overflowing. Yes, we feel unworthy. Do you know why we feel unworthy? Because we are. But we're so grateful that we can't stop talking about it. We're so grateful. And that joy in our hearts will be a witness to the world. Think about it. The passage says God's grace is free. It's good news. Such is the good news that the very creation can't stop singing about it. And I know it's picture language, but the trees of the field clap in their hands. The whole creation singing, waiting. Paul writes that the whole creation is groaning in waiting expectation for who to be revealed? You and I to be revealed, the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And Jesus comes again. The very creation is waiting. If we drift off in our understanding of God's heart, even just beginning a few degrees off, the further you walk, you know that example, the further you get away. God says, as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's a Hebrew way of expressing infinity and beyond. So are my ways and my thoughts higher than yours. There is only one other place in the Bible where that phrase is used, as high as the heavens are above the earth. It's in Psalms 103, verse 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. These passages illuminate each other. God's ways and thoughts and not our ways and thoughts. And we thank God for it. Isaiah 55 is not teaching about divine providence that is beyond our understanding and we shrug, oh, well, his ways are not our ways. God is not wanting to put distance between us. Exactly the opposite. He wants to bring us close to him. His heart is unerringly set on us. And maybe our thoughts of God's heart are too small. Or we've believed the lie of the enemy that we need to earn it. The Lord shows us that he is not like us. He is slow to anger, quick to pardon, abounding in love, infinitely compassionate, infinitely ready to forgive. This is good news. Even the most intense human love is but the faintest echo of God's love for us. His heart outstrips what we can even conceive. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.9, and he's quoting words from Isaiah. It's not an exact quote. Paul just slightly changes it, but he says, It is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You could live on that for a week or more. Just thinking of what God has prepared for you, it's amazing. 
He is planning a celebration of restored humanity, restored creation that will erupt in praise and celebration for the very creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And how can we be so certain of these things? Because he says so. He says it. We've not made it up. He says it. And so we can stand upon it. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we want to get to know God better, let's rediscover what God says about himself rather than what people project upon him, or even we project upon him. He is not like us. Hallelujah. Let's pray together.